Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good morning and welcome to episode 75 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Loeb, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. John, I had a pretty good weekend. Uh, Saturday, didn't have to watch the Gators lose. Sunday, got a full day of NFL Red Zone. And then last night, my company actually gave me the day off of work so I could go to a Sean Kingston concert. So that was a pretty good time. I had a nice long how about you? Gator, Gators had their biggest win of the season on Sunday too, man. Yeah, fish you not making the playoffs. I, I, I thought they were gonna, they were gonna hang a banner at the swamp the way, uh, the way your boys were reacting. Yeah, no, it, it was, was uh, it was definitely the highlight of the year. It was a weekend, <laughs> so I, I have zero room to talk. But I saw somebody retweet like the video of Sean Kingston walking out on the field yesterday when Walker got hurt and they were like, give this man a helmet. We need a left tackle. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw one caption that was like, the cameraman definitely just thought this was a left tackle on IR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, it was a night. It was definitely it, it, one of the most bizarre games I've covered. Like This is episode 75. Who would have thought? Right away that we'd get here, but <laughs> it also roughly matches like the number of players who left last night with an injury. It felt like every drive, like they lost the quarterback, their leading receiver, and you can argue most consistent receiver, starting left tackle, starting slot corner, uh, their best run defending defensive lineman, uh, Tyson Campbell has a quad injury, uh, Gregory Jr. left with cramps. It was, and honestly. I think I'm probably still missing somebody somewhere in there. I, I probably have. It was, it was fitting that they wore black because that was that was a funeral for their Monday night football. Like, it, yeah, I, I just can't get it out of my head. First Monday night football game in 13 years, and it goes like that. Like, I've covered a lot of nightmarish Jaguars games, but most of them. The team's been bad for her. so like when something bad happens, you can kind of just you know chalk it up to that. Oh, everything's going wrong because this team sucks, you know. 
other like this was worse than the 49ers game. This was worse than the Houston loss in week three. Just like trying to think of bad losses they've had at home under Peterson. This was worse than not scoring a touchdown against Houston last year at home. Cause like just the, the amount of like injuries that took their toll. And they entered this game relatively healthy. Like their only injuries entering this game were Cam Robinson, Jamal Agnew, which after Parker Washington's uh, performance last night, I'm not sure how much Agnew really factors into things to begin with. And, and Brenton Strange, who has one target over the last month and a half, which I went back and looked at some of my tweets about Strange's usage uh, from the offseason when so many replies were like, I think I'll defer to Doug Peterson on this one when it comes to tight ends. And no, no, no. I, I was right about that one. I, 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 I'll take the dub on that one. And then Doug Peterson's Josh to Peterson, so. Exactly. And Josh Peterson being active for seven special team snaps while you ended the game with only two healthy corners because you made Buster Brown inactive because he doesn't play special teams. It was literally everything that could go wrong. Basically did go wrong for them last night. And, like, I felt for the fans and for the city, honestly, because you, you, could, you could feel, like, the electricity, like, you know, at the start of the game, how excited people were, how happy people were to be back in prime time. And then for things to go like that, and I know, obviously, Trevor's injury isn't as bad as it looked. It seems like it almost never is with him. Like, I feel like yeah, it's weird. Could, I feel like he could get hit by a car and they'd come out the next day and say ankle sprain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or like, oh no, I just nicked his toe. <laughs> <laughs> what Doug say last year? He's like, it's just a toe. <laughs> we were kind of asking about it. Yeah, like, yeah, no, it was. It, 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 it was exactly. It, it it was one of those games where it just felt like everything. Like even when things were going good, you just felt like you were waiting for like another shoe. You know. To drop like the second McManus missed that field goal after Trevor's injury, I basically chalked that up as a loss. Yeah, it seemed like uh, everyone else did too. And then, like, that was the big thing that people kept coming back to after the game, especially Doug Peterson. He was like, Well, we had that kick to tie it to center into overtime, but we really should have been winning the game at that point. So I was like, All right, we know he's going to today. He said it again today yeah, twice in 12 hours. He doubled down on it. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, what was like your immediate reaction to the Lawrence injury? Because obviously, like Peterson today said today that it's a high ankle sprain. So we can expect him to be out for a week or three probably. But back for – Can we? <laughs> that's, that's my expectations. Uh, is that like he'll miss the Cleveland game and then be – truly questionable for the Ravens game is like what I'm thinking right now. I think he should miss the Cleveland game. That'd be the right thing. I'm not sure he's going to do. He's he he's like made of whatever the hell Wolverine was made of. It, it seems like he he's Wolverine mixed with Gumby mixed with Furio from the Sopranos. <laughs> Just because of the hair? And the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the face makes sense actually. yeah yeah so no he's <laughs> yeah uh, 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 he, he's kind of like 
not to compare him to Big Ben because that's offensive on and off the field, but I, 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 he reminds me of Big Ben and to the point where, like, obviously he's not similar at all in terms of build and stuff, but like, it seemed like that one meme of Big Ben where he has like the cast on and he's all bandaged up and then he has ice on the other shoulder and stuff. Like, he definitely was very yeah, performative yeah. about it, but it seemed like he could play through any injury. That's kind of how I see Trevor. So, We'll see how it goes this week. Like Doug, Doug already said, like CJ is going to get all the starters reps in practice, but I don't know. We saw this happen against, like, on a short week against the Saints. I know an ankle sprain is probably different than like an MCL sprain, but I'm not sure I'd be ready to rule them out. But definitely, my thought was my immediate reaction when it happened mm-hmm. was, you know, they're screwed <laughs> because yeah. he's, he. He was having a terrific game, dude. He if yeah. if he doesn't get hurt, I I think they win that game because I think he you know leads a touchdown drive either at the end of regulation or in overtime. Like he he wasn't he wasn't missing yesterday. Like literally, like a few of the bad plays that he had were like him going for kill shots instead of him just like taking checkdowns. But being more or right. less like he like more or less he was converted. I mean, it was his best game by adjusted yards per attempt, which is better. Uh, like a better measure of performance than yards per attempt. It was his best game of the year by net adjusted yards per attempt, which factors in sacks. It was his best game by um, touchdown uh, percentage. It was, you know, uh, like I think he finished fifth and fourth in the EPA per play and drop back success rate this week. And over the last three weeks, he's still number one in EPA per play over Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott guys who are getting the MVP hype right now. And he's only second in success rate behind Brock Purdy. And it's not as easy for him to have successful, you know, plays as it is for Brock Purdy because you watch Brock Purdy against the Eagles and it was, you know, like five yard passes going for 40 yards. So yeah, it's like nice job on that tunnel screen to Debo Samuel who did the rest of the work or really all the work. Exactly. And Trevor's been pushing it downfield more. So, like, you see Brock have a slightly higher success rate, but I would take Trevor's because of how he's doing it. Trevor's been – I don't care how much hyperbole this might be. He, I think he's been the best quarterback in the league over the last three weeks. Mm. And that was why I think the injury was as bad as it was. It'd be one thing if he, if he got that injury early in the year when the offense stunk. But – for it to happen, like when things are finally like clicking and finally going for him, like I, I know Park, Parker Washington had a good game, had some nice moments, but to me, Trevor Lawrence elevated Parker Washington. You know, he's getting production out of Parker Washington, production out of the Ernest Johnson, production out of Luke Farrell, production out of Zay Jones before a giant hook takes me <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> that, that was my immediate reaction was that it sucks because he had been playing so well. And then after what we heard today from Doug, I don't know, man. Like they're still, they're still in a dogfight for the playoffs. I tweeted on Sunday how they had, they didn't get any help from the Titans and the Broncos and the Commanders and somebody not to be named was like, well, they don't need their help. They just need the Packers help. I can't see a scenario where they don't win the AFC South. Well, here's your scenario for one and for two. <laughs> I disagree. I think clinching of the division is important in, in the NFL. Like. How, how do people think the Jaguars made the playoffs last year when, like, I, I know getting that two-game lead over Houston entering those last month and a half was significant, but 
to think that the division was wrapped up even entering last night would be foolish. And now it's obvious, like, like them and the Colts are only one game back. So you start CJ Beathard in Cleveland if they lose that game. I don't have it in front of me who the I think the Colts play the Bengals. I don't have it in front of me who the Texans play, but I mean it the, these last five weeks could get interesting if Trevor missed uh okay, Texans play the Jets. So I mean the the Jaguars very well could lose their AFC South lead within the span of like six days. Yeah, I think it's definitely significant that like the Colts are all of a sudden there at seven five two with the Texans. So like it's not just like that you won against the Texans a couple weeks ago and it felt like kind of put Houston in the rear view mirror, but now all of a sudden the Texans and the Colts are kind of like just right there. And yeah, I agree that it's important to win a division. I also agree on all your points about Trevor. Like I thought the only the only like throws I thought he maybe he would have wished back were like the ones that you just said where he like just kind of like forced it deep and just to give Ridley a chance on a couple of ones. And there was one that even probably should have been caught right before the half. Uh, that, but Jeremy, go ahead. That was such a weird one, dude. Like, I don't know who to blame. Like, the snap was bad. Right. Trevor still should have caught it, even though it was a bad snap. Like, I feel like if Trevor cat, like, if the snap's clean, maybe that's even a touchdown because Ridley was like running by the dude. And yeah, it was, it was like one of Exactly. It was like when a receiver is like looking at where he's going to run before he catches the ball. Like, I feel like Lawrence was like looking at where he was going to throw it before he caught the snap. So that was a little unfortunate. It still had a chance to like be completed, but ended up obviously not working out. But yeah, I like your take or the best quarterback over the past three weeks. I think like Dak would be the only person I would argue with, but I also think Trevor has had like a little bit of like a tougher test. Like Dak isn't really playing a lot of tough defenses right now, honestly. And it's not like Trevor's playing a lot of great ones, but again, with like the way he's elevating players to your point and then comparing defenses, I, I think it's fair to say that Lawrence has been the best quarterback for the past three weeks. It's happened. I was just speechless. Like I was live tweeting for Big Cat Country and I was I felt like I was there for 10 minutes and just didn't type a word because I just didn't know what to say. Uh, and like obviously it's tough when you don't know the significance of the injury, but I I I assumed like based on Lawrence's immediate reaction that he was pissed off because like he knew it was bad. So then I was like, oh no, it's bad. But I think Lawrence was like, actually pissed off when it happened just because like it was not a bad route by number eleven and like just like miscommunication, bad timing, whatever coach speak what you want to use, but like the play like didn't work. We're we're not gonna say we're not gonna say anybody miscommunicated. That's that's the uh, the hot button. The hot button, evidently. No, no, no. We they communicated poorly, but no miscommunications. It that was yeah, definitely right. the thing. Like Walker Little has been getting killed for that play, but you go back and watch it, and it it was like it's a tough situation. You know, sixth round rookie who really hasn't played any offense. You know, this year really at all. It's understandable that he wouldn't really be as quick to react in that situation, but uh, it's kind of like the chain like events. Like if Christian Kirk doesn't get hurt, Christian Kirk's in for that play, and Christian Kirk is ready for that ball, and Trevor gets rid of it, etc. Even if they don't get the first down, they're closer for a field goal. It, like, it, it it's crazy, man. It, two injuries are the reason that they lost that game to me. Aside from the fact that. 
Jake Browning put Mike Caldwell in the blender completely. I, I don't understand how you can have – we'll get to the defense later, I, I guess. I, I was about to get into my little yeah. Jake Browning spiel <laughs> because I – Right. The most unnormal fan base didn't didn't deserve that last night. <laughs> did, did you see the tweet of, like, the Bengals fan with, like, the Bengals beard? Yeah, that was actually kind of uh, cool, I thought. I mean, a little out there, but, like, just, like, literally walking, like, around the stadium, like, going into the game, I was like, man, there are some interesting Cincinnati fans around. I, I stopped myself from tweeting it and calling him the most normal Bengals fan. That <laughs> <I came laughs> no, wasn't good. <laughs> I, I came real close. No. it. So, I guess that's the second biggest injury to talk about. Christian Kirk, it's probably a season ender. You know, a core, a core muscle injury. I mm-hmm. think I saw rap sheets say like normal recovery is like eight weeks, and that's like would be like the Super Bowl more or less, like or maybe the AFC title game. It it's hard to like sum up just how important he is like for their offense. Like he's like their guy when they need somebody to get open right then and there. He's you know he's their guy. He's the one who's especially against man coverage and on third down that Trevor loves going to. So I, I I think Kirk is a massive loss. And the only reason it's not getting talked about as much is obviously because of Trevor. But say Trevor doesn't get hurt, you're hearing a lot today about Christian Kirk and how big of a loss that is. Because, yeah, Parker Washington flashed last night for sure. That touchdown that he had, that was all him. That, that was probably Trevor's worst throw of the night, honestly. Yeah. And – but, I mean, you saw in the play where <laughs> Trevor got hurt. Like, yeah, he had some flashes, but there's still a significant drop-off from Christian Kirk to him. Yeah. So, I, I don't know how they offset that. I think the biggest or the best example of that is the play when Lawrence got injured because it was like – I mean, it looked to be a choice route where, like, Lawrence was expecting Washington to kind of, like, sit down and just be open, and then Washington, like, kind of kept going. Um um, and so, like, it's just, like, that is better than anything else because, like, obviously Washington had the pretty cool touchdown. And he had a couple other, like, first downs. And so it was nice to see that he, like, went into the offense and more often than not kind of, like, picked up where Kirk left off. But, like, when it's, like, crunch time and, like, those third down situations and in the red zone and when you, like, need to have chemistry with your guy in order to, like, know exactly when and where they're going to be as pressure's, like, bearing down on you, that's – definitely a big deal. So like you might assume that like Parker Washington, like makes sense as a good replacement just because of like his size pretty much. And just like being a slot guy, but he definitely doesn't have like the nuanced route running or the connection with Lawrence or like the speed to get away from defenders uh, farther down the field. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a big blow for the Jags. I will say though, I'm I thought Zay Jones had kind of a encouraging performance. There was in the first quarter he had what looks like a third down drop, but it was deflected at the line of scrimmage, and that's honestly a pretty tough catch to make. But I was I was encouraged by like what he showed in his four catches or whatever it was. Yeah, no, I, I thought Zay had his best you know best game of the year. He you could tell he's definitely still kind of gutting it out with the knee injury, but I thought. Other than the deep pass where I think he just simply wasn't fast enough to catch it. You know what I'm talking about on, like, the sideline. Yeah, they won't sell that one a little bit. It was like Zay was open. He could have – he probably – that was probably his worst throw of the game, honestly. 
he just overthrew it. But also, yeah, it was it was pretty slow. <laughs> Keep in mind, yeah, fair enough. It, he he overthrew it and shouldn't have expected the receiver to run more in the four eight. But nonetheless, I, I I agree with you. I thought it was a really encouraging game, you know, from Zay. So Evan Ingram's best game of the year too. I thought. Uh, yeah, people were people were complaining about Ridley. I I, I didn't see what there was to complain about. He. I thought he should have drew like two different flags. They just, it seemed like they were kind of swallowing the pass interference flags last night. The drop, I get to an extent, but I, I don't think anybody should kill him for that. That was such like a busted play. Like, I, yeah, it, it maybe it was the difference in the game because they probably could have got a field goal before half if he gets it, et cetera. But I, I don't think it's worth killing him for that. I saw people getting mad about like the missed end zone throw to him before Trevor had like his, um, I think it was before the Parker touchdown, but Trevor, again, like we talked about going for the kill shot, had a wide open Zay Jones, like in the flat. He probably wouldn't have scored, but he definitely went for a high degree of difficulty throw to Ridley, which I don't think anybody should kill Ridley over. But you look at all these weapons, what are your expectations and your confidence if they have to have CJ Beathard play? I think he was, what, nine of 10 last night for like 62 yards. Really, the only, he threw it downfield twice. One of them was his only incompletion. And then one of them was like a heaved prayer to Calvin Ridley, which Ridley made a great play on. And the refs ultimately, you know, wiped it out for holding on Anton. What are your thoughts on the offense that Beathard has to run the show for an extended period of time? I would be a lot more concerned about like how he holds up behind the offensive line than worried about yeah. like how well he's able to get the ball to his guys. Cause I think, like obviously, the Jags will like change a couple of things and like cater the offense a little bit more towards whoever starts. But generally speaking, like the offense is going to be the same, and like they're going to operate largely as if Lawrence was in the game, at least on like first and second, and the majority of the game, like they're going to act as if like a ninety or ninety-five percent Lawrence is in the game. I feel like, and so obviously the Kirk injury stings, but like with Zay and Engram having, like, two decent performances. And then Ridley, like, for Ridley, it's really all about your expectations for him because if your expectations are still that he's going to be A.J. Brown for the Jaguars, then he's going to disappoint you. But if your expectations are what, like, the Jags' expectations probably are in that he's, like, a good number two receiver and maybe a good good number one, but he kind of, like – needs to be part of a whole passing attack. He's not, like, a passing attack by himself. Like, he's not Justin Jefferson. Um, yeah. So, like, if you just have a little bit milder expectations and, like, he's having a good year, like we ha- said last week, um, and he's performing well in general. So I think, like, again, like, the skill positions don't really bother me too much, even with the Kirk injury, but with, like, Walker Little being injured and then Ezra Cleveland letting up six pressures, according to PFF, and Fortner con- con- struggling to continue in the run game. Yeah, man. Uh, so it's weird that, like, their first overall – that their 26 overall pick rookie is, like, somehow holding together the offensive line, it feels like. it. You could definitely see on a few of those plays where Beathard tried to break out the pocket yesterday how that's going to come up because he – he for like the positives of him, 
it's clear in my opinion that he sees the field fairly well. Uh, they know what to scheme up for him. He clearly has like a good arm. Like he had one like bullet to say where it like not look like Trevor, but he zipped it in there. But the negatives, like when when he moved out of the pocket yesterday, it was like watching Mike Glennon. <laughs> Dude, like he's like that, uh, that's what's made Trevor Trevor for three years now. You know, he's so athletic that he can just one you can do so much with him as a passer because of his athleticism, and then two, he can cover up so many issues that they have because of his athleticism. And I agree with you. I think that's right. what they would miss with Bethard in because he he's just clearly is not not like a fraction of the athlete Trevor is. I will say to you there's precedent in a quarterback playing after a high ankle sprain. Mahomes. Was, yeah. Oh when you were talking about Big Ben earlier, I was I was thinking that Mahomes would be the player I would compare like Trevor's injuries to because the Jags probably saw last year when Mahomes like rolled his ankle and it looked terrible but he still went in the game later probably a more PC comparison yeah <laughs> probably, probably, probably a little better <laughs> yeah Mahomes had a he had a the same injury high ankle sprain last year came back in the second half against the Jaguars probably was shot up on all kind of like horse tranquilizers and etc but obviously went on to play the rest of the playoffs it's different you know when Obviously, it's in the playoffs and you're fighting for a ring and for basically your lives. And when it's, what, week 14 against Joe Flacco or DTR, whoever the hell the Browns start at quarterback. I understand that's different, but there's at least some precedent. And, like, it's not I, – I, I'm just not ready to say, okay, he's definitely not playing this week is, is where I'm at. I'm yeah. not sure you should – I, I would say the expectation is that he probably doesn't, but I, I've seen like it seems like the consensus is people are assuming he's out for several weeks. Um, I'm personally not there yet. I think that's totally fair. I think like also like how he came back for the Saints game on a short week. Yeah. And, like obviously he's that's a, a different injury, but yeah, and like how we've talked about how he has like that Josh Allen type dog in him, where he's just like such a competitor. And I mean, you saw that right after the injury happened. And I think that could be part of the reason he might play on Sunday against the Browns. But, oh, man, Beathard against Miles Garrett would be some kind of matchup. I will say, while before we go to the defense, like, C.J. Beathard should 100% be the starter if Lawrence can't go. Like, if there's anyone out there that thinks, like, we should give, like, rookie a shot or even, like, sign Nick Foles, that one I shouldn't even entertain. But, like, Rorky is not a real NFL quarterback, respectfully, but C.J. Beathard would be a much better option. You you put Nathan Rourke on the field if your season's over. <laughs> like you're, like, basically playing the string out and trying to send it. Like, somebody tweeted at me last night. I'm assuming they were angry at me from earlier in the season when I was, like, it's insane to think that Rourke is a better backup option than Beathard, which it is. And they were like, wow, you think Beathard's helping the team win now? And I'm like, bro, <laughs> what do you think Rourke would have done last night? Like, pe- people like the feisty the feisty dude who scrambled around in the pocket. People like Gardner Minshew. People like Zach Wilson. <laughs> you know, people, pe- people like Jake Browning. Pe- people like these, you know, <laughs> scrappy, these scrappy backups. No, they – if work sees the field, I think that's them waving the right the white flag. And 
I don't care. Even if you proved me wrong on that, I'm going <laughs> to dig my heels in. Dig no, I'm, my right heels with you. I'm right there with you. I feel the same way. So one thing I want to talk about before we get to the defense, there's no hope for this running game, is there? Their best, their best play is a speed option. Yeah, it's rough. They they just cannot block in the interior at all. And like I feel like they like have they keep coming up with tricks. Like you saw two whole Calvin Ridley end arounds, which is like the one I guess it did work in the first quarter, so it's makes sense that they like go back to it in the same game, but like I don't know. It's uh, Calvin like uh, that's yeah. That's not like like a Calvin Ridley end around is like not a great play. So the, the it, like Sure, it's nice to see that like they're kind of like trying out different things, but they also kind of have to because like they just have no resemblance of like an under center run game. And honestly, my hot take for the week is that I know you said at the top of the show that like Jamal Agnew isn't really missed that much, but I think he's missed in the run game a decent amount, just being like the motion man for the Jags offense. Because when you think about like how the Jags offense or how the running game has changed from this year to last. In terms of like personnel, there's not really a ton of changes. Like Jawan Taylor was a pretty good run blocker, uh, but I don't know. Like not a lot has changed. But I think like one one thing that has changed is that Jamal Agnew. It like last year, it felt like every other run play he was in motion, or just every other play he was like going in motion. And then this year, obviously Jamal's been out for a week or two, uh, but even before that, like. I mean, I guess they were using him in motion a lot at the beginning of the season. And then whenever plays that went to him, plays that went to him would get, like, sniffed out. But, like, e- even if you're not, like, running plays to him, having that misdirection helps out so much. And, like, Cincinnati does have pretty good linebackers. So it might have not, like, necessarily won them last night's game or anything. But I think, like, having having a motion man, like, we've seen, like, Sean McVay and uh, Matt LaFleur. And then obviously Kyle Shanahan have been doing really good stuff on offense in the past couple of weeks and motion is kind of like their thing. And so I know that like motion is honestly like a big thing for the Andy Reid offense kind of in a different way. Uh, Like it's less going across the formation, but he's still like Reid still uses motion a ton to like help out his quarterback in the passing game. So I think like a lack of motion in the running game is just not helping. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. It, it feels like it's everything to me. Like, Fortner doesn't get any push in the running game. ETN, I just – I don't think he's a short yards back. I don't think he has the vision for it. I, I don't think it has to do with, like, his physicality or anything like that. I just don't think he's good enough at seeing the hole and just, you know, getting that yard. Mm-hmm. The I guy that he could drafted, be, like, an inside – but not a short yardage back. Yeah. The, the guy that drafted to be a short yardage back has played four snaps last two weeks. Two of those have came on quarterback sneaks, which I guess the bulky ball of the week is that Tank Bigsby, they're scoring a touchdown 50% of the time that he's on the field the last two weeks. But I'm pretty sure on both of the quarterback sneaks, it was like what they did is like plan a run to Tank and then Trevor just killed it and snuck it himself. I don't think so, dude. I think they just put Tank on the field and just stand there, dude. (laughs) I I sincerely mean that. I sincerely think they're literally like just being like, all right, Tank, go in. And he's his entire job is to stand there and watch Trevor because I kind of think that's the extent of what they trust him to do right now. 
it, it's baffling. Like, and this isn't like a knock on tank because I do think a lot of the turnovers have been unlucky, but like if you're taking a running back in the third round, he has to be productive right away. Like I, I like this idea that the Jaguars are somehow this juggernaut roster where they can start taking like backups in the second and third round who they don't need to produce until 2026 is asinine. It is purely asinine. And taking a running back in the third round who goes on to become your third string running back halfway through the season is a terrible, terrible, terrible pick. And it has nothing to do with the player. It has to do with the process and the value. Like you, it, it, I, I hate the running backs don't matter argument, but at the same time, you don't need running backs like that. Dude. Like you really, you don't need to be spending third round picks on them when you already have a starting one. You, you just don't. So I feel for tank because it's not his fault, but that, that to me at the moment, I think is bulky's worst pick as Jaguars GM. And I'm not sure that's going to change. And I'm, that's saying, and it's saying a little bit too, because Fortner right now doesn't look like a good pick. Muma doesn't look like a good pick because, I mean, it's literally the same thing as with Tank. Why are you taking a backup in the third round who has, like, you're not even saying, oh, maybe he can develop in a year and play. No, there's no path (laughs) to playing. And then, like, strange, again, no knock on him. But that pick looks terrible at at the moment because, again, why are you taking a backup at an unvaluable position? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 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 working myself up. I'm- yeah, no, I think the Jags are definitely like a little bit like too overconfident in their roster. I think it would have been pretty interesting to like have like the multiverse view of like if the Jags had like lost a week fifteen game last year, like if they lost in overtime to the Cowboys and then missed down the playoffs, like how would that have altered like their offseason plans and like their aggressiveness in improving the roster? Because a lot of like their offseason moves was like not really improving the roster, but just having like con- contingency plans in place. It's like, was Ventrell Miller and Chad Muma like really picked because you liked them or because you're worried about the position if you have to cut Foyo Luacons with his like big contract in 2024. Yeah. So, and then like tank pick specifically, I just, the cherry on top is that the year before they traded up for a different running back and he's no longer on the team. Yeah, he is on the practice squad. Uh, I guess he's, not. he's no longer on that. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, I I got that out of my system. That the tanks my bulky ball of the week, and then formulate <laughs> what it formulate a sentence about yeah. finding Agnew in the sixth round, Parker Washington. That's a bulky ball. I I, I would have came with a hotter one if if they had won the game, but nonetheless. Mm-hmm. All right, looks like we went ahead and buried. That put that the rest. You ready to get off defense after this break? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end. What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah, that's Here. that's why that's for those who listen to the pod instead of watch it, that right there is why you need to watch it. We're getting we're getting the Gus Logue after 
after dark show over yeah, here. Special. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're putting on a black to talk about the defense. I I, I respect that. I respect oh. that. Dude. Yeah. Look at and how they massacred. That's, that means I'm gonna need a drink with it. Look, look at how they massacred our boy. <laughs> look at it, dude. My, poor Mike Caldwell, man. That, not poor Mike Caldwell, they, because like it was their fault. But that, <laughs> that that was the worst defensive game like they've had under Caldwell, right? Like I know it's the most yards they've given up, but that to me, they stopped them three times all game, and really, honestly, stopped them twice all game because one of those stops was a missed field goal. That you know went off the crossbar, which right. the crossbar has evidently been the best special teams performer for the last two weeks. That's the only winner of the game from yesterday is the crossbar. <laughs> yeah, so I I'm struggling to think. Like I think yesterday was worse than like the Lions' performance that they had last year because like that was a healthy Lions team. This is I'm sorry, dude. Is Jake Browning better than maybe I gave him credit for? Sure, maybe. But come on, come yeah, on! I, I was thinking to myself, come on. should we like be giving credit to Jake Browning? Like, did he actually play like a really good game? And now, like, he played a good game. He had he had a really good process. I guess I'll give him credit for. Like, he knew where to go to the ball and when. And like, part of the reason the Jags didn't go to a lot of pass rush is that he was pretty decisive for the most part. So I guess I'll tip my hat to him on that part. But like. He's still like a bottom five, bottom three starting current quarterback in the league, right? Playing like the worst defensive performance of the Caldwell era because it was the most yards allowed by them and it was the second most EPA per play allowed. Um, trying to remember what was which the first, game the 49ers was. game? It must have been, yeah. It was either that or the Lions game or, and, or the Chiefs. Like, One of those. And like this is. This to me is worse because I know it's Jamar Chase, but Chase Brown kind of yeah, got after them. Jake Browning, like, like sure, Jake like, Irwin you, got after them. Yeah, you let up a lot of yards to Jared Goff last year too, but like obviously he's a little bit of a product 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 of his environment. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> like Brock Purdy in San Francisco. So then it's like all the and then all the other like high yards performances against the Jags defense have been with elite quarterbacks, and so. For Jake Browning to have a over an eighty percent completion percentage and throw for three hundred yards, which is the first time in the modern era that an undrafted quarterback has done that. Uh, it was also, I mean, Browning has only played three career NFL games, but obviously it was a career best game for him. It was also a season high in yards from scrimmage and touchdowns for Mixon. Um, yeah. I thought so, I had one more, but that's it. It was just it was bad. <laughs> he he had seven attempts over ten yards out of thirty-seven. So it's not like they were airing it out. One of those was his longest pass of the game, was obviously a seventy-three yard touchdown. I think Josh Allen even said after the game, he was like, Yeah, that was probably his best play of the game. Otherwise, he kind of did what he needed to do. Like he clearly RPO'd them to death. A lot of screens, a lot of quick game. Uh, somebody, Doug Clawson with CBS tweeted this out last night. Jake Browning is only the 10th quarterback in NFL history with a completion percentage of 85% and 350 passing yards in the game. The other nine are Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Johnny Unitas, Vinny Testaverde, Chris Chandler, whoever that is, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Rich Gannon. 
it was not only like the best statistical quarterback performance of the year, it was one of the best like <laughs> ever. Which is, yeah. Like, I, it, they need to own that, you know? Like you you can't let Jake Browning have one of the best quarterback performances of all time. Like it, if you want to be that elite team and that elite defense, that doesn't happen. So that that, that was my big takeaway with the defense is that they simply aren't there yet because I, I don't care. I, I know Jamar Chase is super talented. I know T Higgins, you know, I know he wasn't super involved. I know Joe Mixon's really good near the goal line, etc. But you can't let Jake Browning do that and be considered a top defense. So I do I'm not going to say George Pickens was right, but it, uh, George Pickens can at least laugh a little, a little, Harder today because it, it like when they, when they you know when they're not forcing negative plays, you see what happens. Like literally, their only negative plays were Josh Allen's two sacks and his interception on a double pass. Which, like in the Taylor household, are you like instilled in a double pass? Like growing up, like what what is with those two in the damn double pass? Dude? Dude, I don't know. I hate like, it. I, I, hate I don't know. If they're, like, texting each other about it, they're like, "Ooh, I just came up with this really good new double pass." <laughs> I'm I'm just excited for the day that one of them tries a triple pass or something. But because you were at training camp, dude, you saw the double pass at training camp a ton, didn't you? Multiple <laughs> times for sure, and it was like the only. The only like trick play that I can remember off the top of my head, and it was like they did it multiple times. And it's always with Kirk, who like never completes it. <laughs> <laughs> it so, I I guess like the defensive issues. I'll, I'd say most of it. I, I I don't even know. Like I was gonna say the back seven, the front four got whooped too, though in the running game. Yeah. Like, that was the big thing. The Jaguars, like, their defense is built on stopping the run on first and second down to force those third and longs. They weren't doing that yesterday. The Browns, I mean, not the Browns, the Bengals were picking them apart on the ground. Chase Brown getting several big runs. Joe Mixon literally almost closed the game out, like, in the last 30 seconds with, like, a nearly 20-yard run to almost set them up in field goal position. Like, it, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it felt like the Jags played a ton of nickel, like that two, four, five, you know, formation instead of base. Bengals yeah. kind of forced them into that. But you could just tell the two guys in the middle, whether it was Robson Harris or Gotsis or Devon Hamilton or Foley Fadakasi, just weren't winning their one-on-one. So when, they, when you're not making them one-dimensional and making them play with one hand behind their back, then they're able to do all the play action stuff and all the RPO stuff. And then the compound on top of that, nobody in the back seven was winning either. I thought that the linebackers got picked on, honestly, a good bit, especially with the play action and with motions and stuff like that. I thought Tyson Campbell, I think Fred Taylor said after the game that Tyson Campbell had his worst game as a pro. I, I'd probably agree with that. He gave up yeah. several big plays. Obviously, the touchdown to Chase – uh, he gave up a first down to T. Higgins, where he just got put in a blender, you know, in space. He he didn't look healthy. He he hasn't looked like Tyson for most of the year, but especially like this game, he didn't look like Tyson. And then the tackling, Rayshon Jenkins had a really rough night tackling. I thought Darius Williams, he started out really strong. Like that first drive, Darius Williams played with his hair on fire. But after that, right. yeah, after that, I thought he struggled with tackling. And then the one thing I saw – from our vantage point, I know a lot of fans at the game have said this. They struggled like literally lining up, dude. 
like once once you know Elmer's you know Trey Herndon the glue guy came out of the game on the second play of the game with a concussion like Gregory Jr. basically they had to help him line up for three quarters I'm I'm sorry that that's what I saw like they were literally telling him what to do on essentially every play on Chase's big touchdown we talked about this last night at the stadium Baldy tweeted out the all 22 I'm not sure if you saw it but you can see Cisco is late in his rotation getting over the top because he's like literally telling Devin Lloyd like no you need to line up here on this play I know Doug uh, got a little testy when it came to communication issues whatever last night but for whatever the reason, like they just looked so like out of sorts last night, and it was on offense too. I mean, we talked about Parker yeah. not knowing what to do on that one play, and that wasn't the only play. They got they got they had to use a timeout on another play because Parker watched him. It looked like didn't know really, you know, what to do. Yeah, he like how to line up. Late, so they had to burn one. Yeah. So and then Evan Engram apparently asked for a water bottle because um, he thought there was going to be a timeout and there wasn't one. So Jag Stafford ran onto the field, which was then penalized so the Jags had to like call a timeout in order to wash away the penalty. I didn't know that was a thing. I had never never heard of that before. They, never they, they put that in on Sunday night after the Sopranos character at the Eagles game. Yeah. That's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they did. You don't oh. talk about this thing of ours. Dude, <laughs> that dude from the Eagles is definitely well connected. I was Listening to, I forget what podcast it was, but someone was like, have you ever heard of a Eagles player getting in trouble? I'm sure it has happened, but like, have you? Does Jalen Carter count? <laughs> no, because it was before he was on the franchise. <laughs> once, once you're in the building, that guy will take care of you. Yeah, yeah fair enough, fair enough. He, He's definitely in the uh, garbage uh, waste management, you know, business. That... Big guy. Yeah. So, like, th- those are all the issues I saw from the defense. It was they didn't know how to line up. They didn't tackle. They didn't stop the run. They didn't cover. But other than that, Miss Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> you know, like, other than that, how things yeah. go. I thought the two big things were uh, Doug said after the game in terms of, like, what happened on defense, he said, like, well, we failed to stop the run, and that's, like, the their whole thing for the defense is – like stop the run, have more fun. And so I agree with them there that like you, you broke it down really well, how like they were starting out with four down linemen, but then like whoever was the two defensive tackles in the middle, just like weren't winning their one-on-ones. So it forced them into a couple of different looks. Um, and so like, then like, it just makes such a big difference on third down when it's like third and seven, as opposed to third and four. Cause then like the, even if you've got the same personnel out there, their jobs get so much easier. And so they just did not do very well on early downs compared to how they usually do. And then Trey Herndon was clearly a big deal because like the guys that came in as backups, like they had Greg Jr. come in, then Greg Jr. was cramping. So Antonio Johnson came in, then they had, they tried their like dime package again, where they had three safeties and put Dewey on the field. Um, But I think like, Obviously, like, the drop-off in play from, like, whoever's replacing Herndon on the field makes an impact. But I also wonder if it made an impact on, like, the play calling and, like, what plays Caldwell felt interested, felt comfortable in calling. Because, like, maybe, like, he would have done, like, more inverted stuff or more, like, pressure looks with, like, weird stuff happening on the back end 
And like maybe he would have just like had a little bit more at, at his disposal if he had like a good veteran and Trey Herndon in the game as opposed to a young guy like Greg Jr. or Antonio Johnson. Yeah. It I definitely felt a little vindicated. All the people like I know it wasn't you know, maybe it's a little unfair because it wasn't exactly ideal scenario, but for all the people nonstop saying that when they picked him, Antonio Johnson would be the slot over Trey Herndon. Like, no, you you could tell that they missed Trey Herndon yesterday. Like, you 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 could just like I I agree with you. They the defense looked significantly different when he, you know, left the game. And it it was really odd because like the Jaguars the first two drives of the game, you know, overall solid, you know, performance. I didn't feel like the Bengals changed anything that they did after that. So I'm. I'm 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 not really sure where the because like what they were doing was working. I mean like they're both the drives like ended up stalling out, but they still per- picked up at least one first down on like each of the f- two first drives, and so it felt like the Jags were just like scrambling to catch up the whole game. Even though, like you said, I agree with you. I don't know if the Bengals even really changed that much throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 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 with you on that one. It was. Can they can they recover from this? You think, or did this kind of put out the book on like how to how to stop them? Uh, I a little bit of both for the offense, where we talked about like how their strategy in the off season was to like just like add depth and like just like make the current roster a little bit nicer rather than like genuinely trying to improve and like become like a really good contender, which a little bit is definitely that they're just like trying to be careful about the future and they're not trying to get into like a sane situation with the cap or anything like that. So yeah. it's not like been like out like spending a lot of money, but like on day two and three, like you can spend picks on like players who might actually see more playing time. Um, so yeah, like the, they didn't, they just didn't have a good enough roster, I guess is what like the biggest takeaway was, is that like, they've like, had like kind of like kept adding to their depth, but like a lot of people like didn't really expect the defense to be good this year because it was the same roster as last year. And then like, this is the first game where like that kind of felt true where it's like, like where was the pr- improvement actually supposed to come from? Cause it, it yeah. felt like the improvement was mostly just like them, like buying into the system, being in the second year, communicating better. But then last night at home, like you're not able to communicate like really at all. So it's it's definitely troubling, but yeah. I think I, I'm I'm still like on the Caldwell boat. I think he's still got the goods and he was just like kind of dealt a bad hand last night in terms of like all the injuries. Like fully thought Yeah. No, uh, not that he was like playing great before he was the strength of their defense is like those defensive tackles. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you 100% on that. I thought that, like, the pieces definitely, like, you can kind of see where some of their drafting is catching up to them. Like, a, a backup cornerback in the third round, for example, is more valuable than a backup running back. You know, like, we saw, like, yesterday, you know, why that is. A backup pass rusher, et cetera, is more valuable of, Hell, a backup defensive lineman is more valuable. And 
I, I I said that today, and people were like, well, what defense alignment were there for them to draft? They just re-signed Hamilton, then we're going to take one. I took Tyler Lacey the next round. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It – they I, maybe I, I don't think I, that's all. I, I don't think I've heard his name in over a month. But Anton Harrison is looking like in a really good draft pick. I, like, but as far as I'm concerned, the Knights had one draft pick in their 2023 class. So Anton's been good. I think Antonio Johnson for where you picked him, like, what he got picked in like the fifth round, right? Antonio, I thought this. You might be right. It was probably the fifth. It, if he becomes a good special teamer, that's a good fifth round pick, which I think he already is. So he's a good pick for where he was picked. He's not. Right. I don't see him as like a starter or anything like that. And at least not now, right now. But Parker Washington looks like a nice find for where he was picked. And then uh, <laughs> I don't know. It uh, it out of all the Jaguars draft classes. It has definitely been one of them so far. <laughs> that's that's can't say anything, can't say anything better than that. Are you ready for some yeah, game balls? Yeah. Yes, sir. After this break. Mm. I guess I, I'm gonna just go ahead and get out in front of you. Special teams game ball, the crossbar. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I should have taken it. I'm getting, I'm getting that one for you. Who, who are you gonna say? I literally spent more time on a special teams game ball than like any other part of like preparing for this podcast. Why? Because like Parker Washington, like I feel like didn't really do anything, and he was like had good moments and bad moments on offense. And then like Logan Cook had one good punt where you like pin them at the end, but I feel like he had one or two other like not great punts by his standards at least. And then obviously, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Brandon McManus missed a forty-eight Oak Oak graduate Shaporterman for his. I'll I'll be honest. I'm a little shocked you're not giving it to Josh Peterson. It's kind of bit. It's kind of been your MO. I thought of it. Like, season, great. I, I gave a game ball, special teams game ball to the live Bucks for just running around out there. Yeah, so a little surprise on that one. Uh, defensively, I think there's only one answer, right? It, like, it's all, it, it can only be – actually, I'll, th- I'll take that back. <laughs> Record snatch. Caleb on chase on. I knew you were going to say that. That's what when you said there's one name, I was about to blurt out Caleb on. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he had a tackle for loss on one of Cincinnati's two double passes last night. So that was nice to see. I don't really remember anything else, honestly. Besides they, that, they tackle. called two double passes and they resulted in negative seven yards and then an interception. <laughs> That's did, the good stuff. did you see Chase on after he tackled Browning on that one? He, he oh, got up and he started barking at the Bengal sideline. And he goes, <laughs> it killed me, dude. That's just, just a straight thumbs down. It killed me. Like, what a guy. You just, what a guy. Did you see DK Metcalf's uh, celebration on his first touchdown? 
uh, it might have been the Thanksgiving game and not this week, but when he did the sign language. I think it was this last this last Thursday night game. Yeah, it was the Thanksgiving game because he said Deron Bland can't cover me. No, it was the game that happened like five days ago. Okay, well, he, I, I remember specifically now that it was from the Cowboys game. So he must have done it both times. But yeah, I like I like how like DK's out here doing like sign language and Caleb Barnes just thumbs down. <laughs> but the the defensive player of the game, I think, is obviously Josh Allen for getting one and a half sacks closer to Jacksonville's single season franchise record. He's what, one and a half sacks away from breaking record, it now? which I think he might be 0.5 away from tying it and one away from breaking it. It's 14 and a half. It's 14 and a half. I think he's at 13 and a half right now. Hmm. Which is all yeah, things considered pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, he's at 13 and a half. That's crazy. 13 and a half sacks. That's that's wild. 40, 40 that's wild. 41 career sacks. <laughs> so that's that's a good that's a good pick. All right. Offense. I mean, it's gotta be. It's got to be Trevor, right? I I don't know who else. Uh, yeah, I thought about Zay Jones, but I like Zay Jones is like deserves like a shout out, which I gave him earlier. But like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence gets the game ball. You could make an argument for Ingram, maybe, but I just I thought Trevor was like dialed in yesterday, and he made several like wow throws. So. I, I think definitely, definitely Trevor. It was, I don't know, it, it very much felt like, obviously they had more good performances than just these two, but for the second week in a row, Josh Allen and Trevor Lawrence were their best players, which they're the two best players on the team. So that's, you know, you need your blue chip players to play like blue chip players, and those are the two closest things that they have to them. Yeah, it feels like both of those players are just like dragging their respective units just like through the season, and we'll we'll see how far they can take them. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you on that completely. Got any got any takes for me? Fresh out of the oven? Hmm? No, I think I had like five on the last one, so I I, I like that. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna say that. that Antoine Harrison for the Jamal thing. No, for the uh, last episode, your five takes, and you started, you came off with a 2024 take. And then I was like, okay, a 2024 takes something. And then you had another 2024 take right after. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, man, I was in the lab. I was thinking about it for a while because I was, I I had the one and I was like, I mean, I know I can stop here, but why, why should I? I'm trying. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say Anton Harrison is Bucky's best draft pick because I feel like Trevor doesn't really count. But no, his day two from 2021 was insane. Uh, just going Campbell, Walker Little. Walker Little hasn't been playing as much as he should based on where he was picked. But, like, those are three object- objectively good NFL players, I think. Well, so. it's time. <laughs> but like outside outside of that like day two from that specific draft, so like Anton is like pretty much his only good pick, I feel like. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, they, yeah, last year's draft class wasn't good. Yeah, last year's draft class was not good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that one. Well, I was just trying to give a Miles Garrett uh, take off the dome because, like, if if walk like I'm assuming Walker Little is going to play, but like if Walker Little is out and Trevor Dude. Lawrence is out, whew. But Blake Hance struggled last night. Dude, Miles Garrett is going to set like a single season record in a single game against the Jags. Like Trey Hendrickson is, I'd say, a top ten edge rusher. So like, obviously he's going to get his against a like third string tackle like Blake Hance. Miles Garrett is like a Hall of Famer. <laughs> And yeah, Hans Hans couldn't block Hendrickson, so I don't know. Oh, that that's another one, man. Little the little injury. God, they have so many like big injuries. Like they need to they need to watch over the next couple of days. He he was limping around the locker room when I was in there yesterday too. Like he wasn't moving around very. He was definitely moving around pretty gingerly. Gotcha. Yeah. Apparently, the conditions in Cleveland are going to be like horrific too. I think I saw something that was going like predicting twenty mile per hour winds plus rain. And so, yeah, I think the the total for that game has dropped down to like thirty point five points. I might even be in the twenties at this point, but yeah, that'll be <laughs> one of my buddies. Andrew really likes a bet that's like when you're looking at like anytime touchdown scores on a tu- on a sports book, then you can look at you can usually find like. No- No team scores a touchdown. If it's we're gonna get a Joe Flacco versus Nathan Work, Nathan Work versus CJ Bethard in the rain. No, has Bethard thrown a touchdown with the Jaguars? I don't think he has. He hasn't played that much, obviously. Yeah, no, I think he's got like a few decent ones in the preseason, but I can't think of a regular season one. They should have had Tim Jones streak Mm. down the field. On third and seventeen, that on, that that last play they had in overtime, that little like drag route to Calvin Ridley was one of the funniest plays they've had all year. It was just sad, honestly. It, that, the whole that that, that was one thing. That's one thing with the loss of Kirk. You saw Parker Washington in the screen game last night trying to block and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm so excited to like look up day two wide receivers in the upcoming draft just for Bucky to get the same thing as next year's Justin Shorter. It'll be a good time. You don't need to take him in day two. He found one in the sixth round. Market inefficiency. Get Bucky bold. Yeah. All right. See ya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well. We will be back on Friday. Back to our yeah. Back to our regularly scheduled programming to preview CJ Bethard versus Joe Flacco, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll find out as the week goes on. We we will find out as the week goes on. But thank you guys as always for joining us. I know last night was a tough night. I'll say it. I got master class this week. I talked a big game. I talked down on Jake bombs away Browning. I talked down on Zach Taylor. 
I didn't give Big Lou enough credit. I so I I got masterclass this week. And honestly, we should have known that the Jags were in trouble once like Lou Anarumo gave Trevor Lawrence respect because like players and coaches kept being like, oh yeah, just like make Trevor like actually play quarterback and we'll have success against them. But then I feel like didn't Lou give a pretty good quote early last week about like no, that's not really true. Like Trevor's Trevor's legit. He he was like he so sees the maybe that he, he, it was a funny quote. He was like, I see a guy who makes full field reads. And then he said, I think the thing is, he just runs a lot when he can. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a good bit. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us again. We've been masterclassed. We'll be back on Friday.